Hi, my name is Mark Riggins, and I'm pastor here at LifePoint, located in Plano, Texas, and we meet here every Sunday at 1030, and we are here for your family. I hope today's message is an encouragement to you. We're in a series called Heroes, where God chooses to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. This is how he designed it from the beginning. And our memory verse is Hebrews 12, verse 1. I'm going to ask you to stand up as we repeat this verse, okay? This is our memory verse for the series. So let's go over this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Hebrews 12, verse 1. You may be seated. Today we're going to take a look at an ordinary person named Elisha. And immediately you're thinking, oh, I know this story, okay? I know this guy. He's the one that called down fire and consumed this, this sacrifice and 450 false prophets of Baal were killed at Mount Carmel. And, you, and I, if you're thinking that, I think, man, I am so glad you remembered that story, okay? But that was not Elisha. That was Elijah, okay? Elisha was the servant to Elisha. He was just an ordinary guy following Elijah around. But I'm glad you remembered that story. Miracles have a way of doing that, don't they? Now, to be honest with you, Elisha does two times more miracles than Elijah does. And I am in hopes today that you and I are going to learn how to see miracles in and through our lives, like we sang in that last song. Now, before we talk about this, there's a, a couple of things that I'd like to say. And the first one is simply this, that the Christian life is supposed to be miraculous, if you are checking out Christianity for the very first time, I want you to know right up front that the Christian life is supposed to be miraculous. Not boring, not ho-hum, not business as usual. It's a miraculous life because it starts off with the miracle of getting a new life, of having forgiveness through the life, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And it ends with you being in heaven Perfect. Now you gotta admit, that is a great miracle, right? A greater miracle would be the person sitting next to you becoming perfect. And whatever you do, don't look at them right now, okay? What two great miracles that we have. The miracle of a new life and the miracle of being in heaven, perfect. The second thing that I would wanna say is simply this. Oftentimes we miss the miracles that are in our lives because we don't understand what miracles are. Now, if Pastor Mark was teaching here this morning, he would go into depth on this subject matter. But since I am retired, <laughs> I'm going to give you a 40,000 foot view. Basically, there are two types of miracles in the Bible. There are supernatural miracles and there are life-changing miracles. 
Supernatural miracles are when God does something in nature, like the splitting of the Red Sea, like the feeding of the 5,000, like stopping the sun for a day to allow his army to win a battle. These are miracles that we oftentimes remember like the fire coming down and consuming the, the sacrifice. They are impressive. But there's also life-changing miracles. Like when God changes a heart. Like when God changes your life by bringing you to faith in Jesus Christ. Changing your character. Changing the trajectory of your life. A lot of times we don't think of the latter as being a miracle. We think uh, the, the supernatural ones that happen in nature, those are the real miracles. But guess what? I beg to differ. Think about this. The miracles that happen in nature, guess what? They are here today and they are gone tomorrow. But the miracle that happens in a life lasts forever. It lasts through all eternity. When God changes a life, that, la that life will last forever. When God restores a relationship, the joy in that relationship will last forever. When God changes your character, the power that comes from a life change, folks, it's like throwing a rock into a lake. It just ripples on forever and ever and ever. And so I say, the greater miracle is the life-changing miracles. As we begin to take a look at this character, Elisha, I'm in hopes that you and I will come to understand how God is doing miracles in your life and through your life right now. And I gotta be honest with you, I got a lot of questions about miracles myself, okay? I've been praying for one for my wife who has long haul COVID for now for 15 months. You know, why does it take so long to, to see a miracle happen? And why can't we see more miracles happen? And maybe the most important question is the one that you have. And that is, why doesn't that miracle that I really, really, really want happen for me? I can tell you this, I'd be filled full of pride if I told you I had the answers to all those questions because I don't have the answers to all those questions. But what I do know is this, miracles are not about me and they're not about you. Though I don't have all the questions of the when, way, why, how, all that stuff on miracles, I do know this, that they're not about me and they're not about you, but they are about God and what God is doing. And God is still in the miracle business. Take a look at this verse in Psalms 86. For you are great and do great miracles. You alone are God. You see, my prayer for you this morning is simply this. God, don't allow that one miracle that they are really, really, really wanting to happen. Prevent them from seeing the miracles that you are doing right now in and through their lives. My hope, honestly, as we study this passage on Elisha, this ordinary servant to Elijah, that you and I will come to see how God wants to do miracles 
in your life. And the key to doing it, the key to seeing them is this. It's how you live your life between the two miracles. It's how you live your life, honestly, between the miracle of a new life and the miracle of being in heaven, perfect. And Elisha teaches us three ways to live our lives. The first one is simply this. You find a piece of paper, you will want this. You have to live with tenacity. Elisha, before he sees this miracle that we're gonna discover at the end of this story, he spent years and years and years serving Elijah out in the desert, out of sight, nobody seeing him, him not seeing many miracles in his own life. But he was an apprentice to Elisha. How do you sign up to be an apprentice in order to see miracles? Well, what Elisha would teach us is simply this, is that you gotta sign up, first of all, to be a servant. It is the servant in God's economy of things that sees miracles. And I don't know about you, but that makes a whole lot of sense to me. If miracles were up to me, guess what? I'd be so filled full of pride, you couldn't even live with me. If I treated God like the genie in the bottle, where he would pop out because I made a wish and he would reply, your wish is my command. Folks, I'd be so filled full of pride. My head would be so big, I couldn't even put a hat on it. But Elisha teaches us that you gotta live with tenacity as a servant. Take a look at this in 2 Kings 2, 1 and 2 and 4 and 6. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has told me, uh, sent me to Bethel. And Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Then Elijah said to him, stay here, Elisha. The Lord has sent me to Jericho. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went to Jericho. Then Elijah said to him, stay here. The Lord has sent me to the Jordan. And he replied, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So the two of them walked on. If you have your Bibles, I would circle the phrase, I will not leave you. There's the tenacity. Even though Elijah told Elisha, I want you to stay here. I want you to stay here. I want you to stay here. Elisha said, I'm not gonna leave you. I'm gonna go where you go. I am not going to leave you. You see, the miracle that was going to happen for Elisha's eyes and for Elijah was going to happen at the Jordan. It wasn't gonna happen at Bethel. It wasn't gonna happen at Jericho. It was gonna happen at the Jordan. Here's the point. To see miracles happen in and through your life. Write this down. You gotta go the distance. 
You got to go to the Jordan. You have to have the tenacity to go the entire journey. You can't stop at Bethel. You can't stop at Jericho. You've got to complete the journey. But God, isn't 15 months of long haul COVID enough? You got to go the distance. Isn't being a 24-7 caregiver for someone who has long haul COVID for 15 months Isn't that enough, God? You gotta go the distance. Here's my question for you. Where is God asking you to go further? That is where he wants to do miracles in your life. Let's say you're praying for a relational miracle. God, I just want you to change my relationship. Now, let's be honest. You gotta be honest with God. What you're really asking for, right, is God, would you change that other person? Because if you'd change them, guess what? My life would be grand right now. It would be almost perfect, okay? But it doesn't happen that way, does it? And relationships don't work that way. If you're gonna see a miracle in your relationships, what it requires is tenacity. The tenacity to choose to love them when they are unlovable. The tenacity to go to counseling when you don't feel like it. The tenacity to believe the best of them. Guess what? When they are not at their best. This is the journey of tenacity. And every one of us, myself included, want to see miracles happen, not today, but yesterday, don't we? But it doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. Moses was in the wilderness for 40 years serving his father-in-law watching sheep and goats before he saw the Red Sea split. Joshua served Moses for years before he saw the walls of Jericho come tumbling down. Peter walked with Jesus for three years before he preached and saw 4,000 people saved. So again, I ask you this question. Where is God asking you to go further. Now you may be sitting here and you may be thinking, well, but what does that look like, Pastor George? I mean, I understand that there's this waiting period, but what does it honestly look like? Well, let me answer that question for you with the greatest miracle ever, and that is one of salvation. When I was growing up, I grew up in a town called Sugar Creek, Missouri. It was a bohunk town, and if you don't know what bohunk means, It means it was a town of immigrants. It was filled with Poles and Germans. And my best friend, Doug Poltz, you'll never guess where he was from, was from Poland. And here I was, a German boy. We were backdoor neighbors. He lived at the top of the hill and I lived at the bottom of the hill. And you may be saying, well, how does that work? Because we lived on two different streets. He was on the top hill and I was at the bottom, but we were backdoor neighbors. And he was my BFF, my best friend forever. We did everything. We did life together deeply. We went crawdadding, a lot crawdadding in that area. It's built around Standard Oil, a, a refinery. And there were a lot of creeks in that area. So we went crawdadding, we went boar hunting. We went skateboarding. I can't tell you how many bikes we ruined because we were playing Evil Knievel, if you know what I mean, okay? We went to the same university together. I I introduced him to a girl that he married. She was my chemistry lab partner. 
And I introduced it and, and they got married. I stood up with them. We were best friends until I got saved. And then Doug turned his back on me, decided to go in a different direction. And periodically there would be times that Doug would pop in and call me, George, can you pray for this? I mean, I guess he thought I had some connection with God or something. Pray for his folks, pray for his, his marriage. And I did pray for Doug. I prayed that God would eventually help him to drop Jesus from his head to his heart. 10 years had passed by and I was a pastor in Columbia, Missouri and I get a phone call from my friend Doug. He says, I'm in corporate America now and I'm on a business trip and I'd love to meet you at Denny's for, for breakfast. I said, let's make it happen. And when we got together, I'm telling you, it was like nothing had ever happened. We, we, we retold those stories of old and you know, those are great stories, aren't they? But at the end of the time, Doug said, I wanna apologize for turning my back on you. And I wanna share with you that I came to know Christ personally. What a miracle. Now I'd like to say during those 10 years that I thought of Doug every day, but I didn't. I'd like to say that I prayed for Doug every day, but I didn't. I'd like to say that when I did pray, I prayed with faith and I knew it was going to happen, but I didn't. But what I can say is that when I did think of Doug and I did pray and prayed for Doug, that I prayed that he would have hope to drop Jesus from his head to his heart. And folks, I think that's what tenacity looks like for most of us. It's hanging on to that last thread of faith, hope, and love. Tenacity is not being perfect every step of the way. It's just holding on to that last thread of faith and hope and love. Tenacity comes back, I believe, to those three things. So what do you need to come back for? In this moment, with Elijah and Elisha. Elisha comes back to love. I am not going to leave your sight. Wherever you go, I'm gonna go. And he comes back to faith and hope. I'm gonna be there to see this miracle happen. And so you gotta live with tenacity just as an ordinary servant. The second thing that we see in this story is you gotta live with sensitivity. You gotta live with sensitivity to what God is doing. Listen to how this works in Elisha's life. 2 Kings 2, 3. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know what the Lord is going to, to, is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, but do not speak of it. These company of prophets, this company of prophets and Elisha, folks, they knew what God was going to do. They knew Elijah was going to have a special day and it was going to be on that day. Now understand something. This doesn't take rocket science, okay? You become sensitive to what you focus on. 
If you focus on the mood of people in your world, guess what? You will understand when you are in their presence the mood that they are in, whether they are happy or sad or kind of in between. If you spend a lot of time with the person, you begin to figure out their idiosyncrasies, right? You know how they're going to react when something comes up. In fact, you probably can predict the very phrase that they're going to say. All because you've chosen to focus on them. This company of prophets and Elisha were all sensitive to God's work because they'd spent a lot of time focusing on God's work in their own lives. Here's the point. The key to experiencing miracles in and through your life isn't you convincing God what you want him to do, but rather it is knowing and being sensitive to what God wants done. Because what God wants done, God gets done. And Elisha teaches us this in two ways. One, by being sensitive to God or to be sensitive to God's actions. How God is going to act. What he is doing in the world. Let me put it in terms of surfing. Which is easier for a surfer? To create a wave or to catch a wave? God is the creator of waves. God is the one that creates wave. A good surfer is one who recognizes what God has created. And these prophets knew what God was doing in the world, that it, this was going to be Elijah's last day on earth. How does that happen for you and me? How do you become sensitive to what God is doing in the world? Well, let me tell you how it doesn't happen first. It doesn't happen while you watch the world news on TV. When you watch the world news on TV, what you get is the news. You don't get sensitivity of what God is doing behind the news. You get sensitivity of what God is doing in the world through God's word and God's people. When you spend time in God's word with God's people, you will begin to be sensitive to what God is doing in the world because you're going to learn and understand as I am teaching people in the book of Revelations who God is. You'll begin to understand his idiosyncrasies. Hey, who he is, what he is like, how he works, and what he is doing. That is why I believe it is so important that you and I be in church and that we be a part of a small group. Because those two things help us to be sensitive to God's work in the world. The second way that we see here is being sensitive to people's needs. God's work in the world is all about meeting people's needs. Let me put it this way. The miracle of meeting people's needs is what God is all about. And Elisha knew 
It was going to be Elijah's last day on earth. And these prophets even brought that to his attention. And what was his response to them? To simply just say, I don't want to talk about it. What's going on there? He's grieving. And he was asking these prophets, other prophets, to be sensitive to his needs. How do you and I become sensitive to the needs of people in our world? Two ways. Through your eyes and through your ears. Sometimes just giving a look of compassion enables you to enter into the miracle of meeting a need in a person's life and changing the trajectory of their life. Sometimes lending a listening ear enables you to enter into the miracle of meeting a need and changing the trajectory of a person's life forever and ever. And I think we could be a whole lot more sensitive, could we not? be in this world to other people. I think we could learn to look a little more and listen a little better by getting our faces out of our screens and looking people in the eyes and listening with our ears. When you and I do these two things, God, we'll be able to understand God's actions and we're gonna understand the needs that are around us you and I will begin to see miracles happening in and through our lives. To be honest, I think of the cross with this because Jesus saw our need and he chose to enter into our world. Isn't that cool? And he walked among us and we beheld his glory. I love the chosen. If you haven't seen it, I think they're getting ready for season three. You just see the humanity of God just interacting with people, looking at them and seeing them. And as a result of what Jesus did, guess what? The crucifixion became the resurrection and we profited. The same can be true for you and I as you and I enter into the world that God has placed us in and we open up our ears and we look with our eyes. We can turn the crucifixion that people are going through into a resurrection. So the key to seeing miracles in and through my life is to live with sensitivity. It is to live with tenacity as a servant. The third thing is this, to live with purity. And you see this purity in Elisha by what he asks for. Take a look at 2, Corinthians, or 2 Kings 2, 7 through 10. And 50 men of the company of the prophets went and stood at a distance facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said, yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours, otherwise not. 
What you see here is the pure heart of Elijah who is unafraid to ask for what he desires most. And that is a double portion. A double portion of what? Two things, of being and of doing. First, being. Elisha knew what it was like to follow Elisha around, meaning he knew the cost that he was personally going to have to undergo because he saw the cost in Elijah's life. The emotional cost, the physical cost, the spiritual cost, the relational cost, the mental cost. And he asked, I want double that. With purity in his heart, he's saying, I want that. I want to be twice the character of Elisha. You see, sometimes I think we do the word purity a disservice by defining it with what you and I can't do. You know, you don't, you don't chew, you don't, you don't smoke, you don't chew, you don't go with girls that do, right? Folks, that's not, that's not purity. That's abstinence. Abstinence is not purity. Purity isn't, you know what? I, I, I just want to try real, 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 real hard not to go with girls that smoke or chew and, and the other ones that do, okay? No, not at all. And yet that's how we define purity. Let me give you my definition of purity. You might write this down. It is a single-minded ambition to do something great for God. Well, Pastor George, how does that figure in to, to being Follow me with this. When you give yourself to do something that God is doing in the world, catching that wave that he has created, what you will find is that your life will be drawn to pay the price to be the right person. Drawing you away from the wrong things because your focus is on a different place. Your focus is to be a different person. And Elisha asked that he have a double portion of Elijah, a double portion of his character and a double portion of his deeds. When I read this story of Elisha, I think back when I gave my life to Christ. And then a few years later, I decided to go into ministry. I lost a lot of friends. I came out of corporate America to go into ministry and my family, you are stupid. I'd already seen some promotions in the short time I'd been there. You're giving up all that to be a poor pastor? I can remember that my wife and I, we would go to family reunions every year, okay? And we would sit at the kids' table. We couldn't sit with the adults. We were 50 years old. We had to sit with the kids because we were weird. But I had four people pray over me. I will never forget it. My grandma Pfizer in Sugar Creek, Missouri, grandma on the hill, she prayed over me and says, God, give George 
A spirit of obedience to follow the calling that is on his life. I had a gal named Ruth Whitlock, who is now a famous recording artist with her son, uh, Madison Ward and Mama Bear, who prayed over me and says, God, open George's eyes to the calling that you have on his life. I had my mom pray over me and say, God, give George wisdom to navigate the challenges of the calling that is on his life. I had my wife pray over me many times. God, give George strength and perseverance to fulfill the calling that is on his life because people need the Lord. And this church is the answer to those prayers. And God is still doing miracles in this church that are gonna last forever and ever and ever. If I'd have thought of it, I'd have told you to turn to the person next to you and say, you are a miracle. And it's a miracle that God brought Pastor Mark to us. And I'm in retirement. What a miracle. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. And it's interesting as God is working with this church and what the staff and the board are discerning is that there's going to be a doubling of campuses. Isn't that interesting? A campus here and a campus somewhere north. I'm for it. God, you're still in the business of doing miracles. But my question to you is this. What does God want to do in your life? What miracles are you believing God for in your life? And when I say that, I'm not talking about how how you need to leave corporate America and enter into the ministry. In fact, I would discourage you from doing that. Be where you're at. Do great things for God in your business where you're at. Do great things for God in your schools where you're at. Do great things for God in your homes where you're at. Do great things for God in your neighborhoods where you're at. Because God is in the world and he is wanting to meet needs that are in this world and people need to see Jesus. And so have the purity of heart, the single-minded ambition to do great things for God. Now, how do you do that? How do you live with purity? Three ways, really. You gotta run from, run towards, and run with. You gotta run from as you run towards, as you run with those who are going in the same direction. You gotta run from those, uh, run from your old ways and and your old uh, patterns. And you gotta run towards the new things, the new faith the new hope, the new love. And as you're running, you're offering that new hope and that new love and and that new faith to people in your world that need hope, that need faith, that need love. And you do that as you're running with others who have a pure heart, who are calling on the Lord with a pure heart. And as you and I do that, as we run from, run towards, and run with those who, have a pure, who are calling on the Lord with a pure heart, you will begin to see 
God do miracles in and through your life because Jesus made this promise. Blessed are the pure in heart for they will what? They will see God. They'll see God at work in the church. They'll see God at work outside the walls of the church. And as you are running towards that new faith and that new hope and that new love, it will impact their lives. And the kingdom of God will advance. And Elisha saw it. Let's look at this. Second Kings chapter two. And as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. You could say he was raptured. We talked about that. Elisha saw this and cried out, my father, my father. And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them apart. He's grieving. He picked up the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. Then he took the cloak that had fallen from him and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. When he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left and he crossed over. The very same miracle that Elijah did at the Jordan, Elisha does. And God is communicating to him. I am in you, I am with you, I am for you, and I'm going to work through you just like I worked through my other servant, Elijah. And that is my prayer for us, LifePoint. That as we journey together, we will see God and understand that he is in us, that he is with us, that he is for us, and that he is working through us to multiply his kingdom for the glory of God and for the good of our community. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are the same God today as you were in Elisha's time. That you're a God who does great things. A God who is working. Working in little ordinary ways to create eternal impacts. And God, you've made that for us. You've done that for us. You've brought us to faith where we've placed our trust in your son, Jesus Christ, by dropping him from our heads to our hearts. And we are grateful for that, that our names are written in the book of life that will be with you forever and ever. But we thank you, God, that the Christian life is a miraculous life. It is a life filled full of challenges, yes, but a, a life that is filled with God who wants to work in and work through us. And God, I pray for us and for our church. God, work in us and work through us. Work through Pastor Mark and the staff, work through the board, 
work through us. We're just ordinary people, God, that want to be inspired by an extraordinary God to enter into this world to catch what you're doing. And so, God, we'd ask you for that. And Lord, I want to pray for those in this big house right now who may be feeling hopeless because that one miracle that they're really, really, really wanting, wanting hasn't happened yet. God, would you just give them a spirit of tenacity? Help them to know that you're with them. Help them to trust you on the timing of it all, God. Help them to hold on to that last thread, maybe of hope or of love or of faith. Whatever it is, God, would you do that? Show yourself strong this week, God, and open up our eyes to see you. and Open up our ears to hear what you're doing. So we lift this up to you, God. We trust in you. You are a great God. And it's in your son's precious name we pray. Amen. I hope today's message was an encouragement to you. And if you'd like a little more information about our church, just visit us on our website at lifepointplano.org.